morning, church. I trust you're all well this morning. Settle down in front of your TV or laptop or phone or your um, yeah your PC. But I hope you've settled. I hope you are all well and comfortable as we continue to allow God's word to to minister to us. That His grace can continue to instruct us to build us up in Christ Jesus. And um, I also pray that um, we will will endure this um, situation we find ourselves in. Our family and I, we we send love and greetings to you all, and we are praying for you all, and we can't wait to meet together once again in the flesh. But let us endure. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I invite you all to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to be reading from verse um, 7. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you... If his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again that we can be here this morning. Thank you for sparing us that we can be up. We can listen to your word preached to grow us and mature us in Christ Jesus. So be with me, Father, as I come now and I continue in the golden rule. As I continue in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, help us to listen and help us to apply what we hear to our daily lives. Thank you again, Father, for your kindness, your goodness. Thank you for your, your generosity. Thank you that you are a great God. You are the creator God. And thank you that you're there to help us through our daily lives. So help us, Father, to live this verse out into the lives of others. Help us to, to treat others as we would like to be treated. Be merciful to us, Father. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'm going to continue in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And we're going to continue with the golden rule. And the idea is to help us to understand it better. And hopefully you've partially understood it and you and you you kind of know where we're going and hopefully since you've listened to last Sunday's sermon the golden rule your understanding has has improved but let us let us continue to to help us to understand this verse like I said do we think it's a sum total of Christian truth or do we think it's God's plan of salvation what is your understanding? 
And I said this because it's probably the most misunderstood scripture verse in the Bible. You know, I googled this morning, or which is Friday morning, I googled what does the golden rule mean to the world? And the golden rule is the principle of treating others as you want to be treated. And apparently it's found in all religions and cultures. And, and all these religions have different ways in applying it. They treat it all, they all treat it differently. And that's probably what brings about a lot of the, the confusion. But there's also confusion amongst Christians. And the one reason is because we isolated from the Sermon on the Mount. The verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7 ends, for this is the law and the prophets. So if there's an end, where's the beginning? Well, the Sermon on the Mount really begins in verses 17 to 20, especially verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And in between Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 and Matthew chapter 7, Verse 12 is the meat of the Sermon of, of the Mount. Yes, before chapter 5, I mean before verse 17 of chapter 5, there's the Beatitudes, and then Jesus talks about being the salt and the light. But the meat and, and the, the, the real teaching comes between verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7. And it's all to do with relationship, relationships. It's relational. And, and, and it's interpersonal. It's to do with relationships. And that is what verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7 is all about. It's about our relationships. Go, go read. I, I encourage you to, after the sermon sometime during the day, go and read chapter 5 of Matthew, chapter 6 of Matthew, and chapter 7. And you see it's all about relationships. How we are to each other and how we are to God. And that's one of the reasons why we confuse this verse, because we isolate it from the whole picture of the, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and so it's important that we see that Jesus is teaching great truths that are connected to relationships. Christianity is not just about knowledge. It's not just about that I fill my head with all this knowledge. I know God and I know things about God. No, this knowledge must come alive in our hearts and then it gets worked out into the lives of people because if it's not then like i said before verse 17 of matthew chapter 5 is about being the salt and the light so if we're not working out the golden rule biblically or verse 12 of matthew chapter 7 biblically then we cannot be the salt and light and 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 we cannot fulfill what it says in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And we're supposed to be salt and light. Our light should be shining before a dark world, before unbelievers. And, and we just have to look at society. We just have to look what goes on in Parliament. Politicians don't know how to talk and treat each other. Um, I even think of... Churches, there's pastors that don't know how to treat their congregants. 
There's congregants that don't know how to treat their pastors. Um, there's family, there, there's friends. There's such a breakdown in relationships. Employers don't know how to treat employees. Um, and we are in trouble because of this. There's such a breakdown of, of man. And, and man has become like dead in himself. He's, he's lost his personality because his God isn't God. His God is other things. And, and it's so true what someone said. What you worship, you become. And, and, and if you worship God, you become a loving, caring, compassionate Christian. But if you worship other things but God, you become dead. You, you, you lose your personality. And a, a lovely book that I encourage you to read in, is in, uh, it's a 100-page book. It's by Francis Schaeffer. It's called Death in the City. And there's a section where he talks about man has lost his personality. Man is dead. He talks about the loneliness of man. And the reason is because man has forgotten God. Man doesn't know that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him. We all want to glorify God, but are we enjoying God? If we don't enjoy God, we can't enjoy each other. We, we, our personalities dry up. Um, the personality goes. So there's something to read and to encourage you and to help you. We just have to look at Jesus and we see how Jesus treated people in the Gospels. How he, how, he's, how he loved the unlovely, how he loved the self-righteous leaders, how he, how he related to the Jews, the Samaritans, the Gentiles, how he helped the sick, the poor, the hungry and all kinds of people. And he treated them like he would have liked to have been treated. But he didn't wait for them to do something good. He went out there and he treated them not getting anything back or wanting anything back from them. And we see that in the Gospels. He healed some and they didn't even thank him. They just went off. So we have a problem in society because we don't know how to have, we don't know how to interact with each other anymore within relationships. A lot of things control us. So how is this golden rule? going to help us well we're going to continue to look at another great truth and if we can get to know this great truth hopefully this will help us to better our relationships with one another but let's just recap our first truth i did say last week first thing but i think it's more than a thing it's actually a truth and the first truth and i want to just recap that we looked at to help us understand the golden rule to have better relationships with one another. And that was, it is impossible left to ourselves. We looked at that in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7. It is impossible left to ourselves to, to apply the golden rule. To apply verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7. You know, how can an unbeliever, and how can we, if we're not in Christ and we're an unbeliever, how can we fulfill the golden rule we can't it's impossible because we are called sons of disobedience we are dead in our sins we we are not interested in doing anything for the glory of god we're only interested in ourselves and we're only interested in what we can get out of life for ourselves that means if we have to knock a few people over we do that 
We don't have the capacity to love in the way that Jesus commanded us to love. And he, and, he, and he told us that we must love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and then love our neighbor as ourselves. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So how can an unbeliever, how can anybody that is not in Christ apply this golden rule in a way that brings honor and glory to God? We're not looking to apply it perfectly, but we want to apply it in honor of God. So we looked at the fact that an unbeliever cannot fulfill the golden rule. Now, I'm not saying they can't love. I'm not saying they can't treat people how they want to be treated. Surely they can. But they don't do it to the glory of God. And so we need to, we need to know that God needs to save us in Christ. That's the only way we are going to be able to treat others the way that God has called us to treat others. The way that we would like to be treated. Because a lot of the times we're treating others to see what we can get out of them. We treat others to see what's in it for us. And we're there not to serve the person, but we're actually there to, yes, serve the person. But we want to be served back. What's in it for me, Joe? If I help you, what can I get in return from you? And that was never Jesus' attitude. Jesus went out there expecting nothing in return. He came to serve and not to be served and give his life as a ransom for many. So we looked at it's impossible. It's impossible to, to fulfill this rule without God in our lives. It's impossible left to ourselves to, to work out the golden rule when we are left to ourselves. Because, like I said, we want to serve others to get something out of them. So this brings us to our second thing. And the second truth that we need to know, and it's an important truth, is that we need to know God, our Father, through Christ Jesus and the second thing to help us to understand the golden rule in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, to help us to have better relationships with one another is, it is possible in Christ. Now, we're going to see how possible it is, because it is still hard. So let's not take away, that away from us, but that's when God's grace comes in, and God's mercy, and God's wisdom but the only way that we can really practice this golden rule is to be saved by God. And that is to be alive in God, in Christ Jesus. To be a new creation. To walk in newness of life. Did you hear that? To walk in newness of life. You put off the old man and you put on the new man. And now we walk in newness of life. And now we have God and His Spirit helping us to implement the golden rule in our lives. That's why when God saved us, God's love was poured into our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He, he knocks us off our pedestal and He takes the seat as King in our lives. 
and he helps us now to be to be selfless and he helps us now to to put this golden rule in practice the holy spirit comes into our lives now and he sanctifies our hearts he indwells us he comes to have first place in our lives so that we can have a selfless love and allow god to help us and we need god to accomplish in working out the golden rule he pours love into our hearts so the christian can now love others and not himself he loves others like himself he treats others in the same way he wants to be treated he doesn't want to get anything back he just serves not to be served so the, the golden rule is possible in christ but like i said we have to admit it's still going to be hard to put it into practice as a christian that's why we have christian brothers and that's why we have christian Sisters, that's why we are family, that's why we meet as a church, because that's where we encourage each other to apply Christianity to our lives, to help someone that is impatient to be patient, to help someone that is not loving like they should love to love. We gently come alongside each other to encourage each other, to build each other up in Christ so that we can, we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling and bear fruit as we apply the golden rule to our lives and and it, and it is hard but we make it even harder if we don't go to the scriptures and allow the scriptures to to transform our hearts more into christ likeness we we need to know that that god has called us to love him with all our heart soul mind and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves so now we have to take a reality check are we doing that if we're not then we go to the scriptures and we ask God through the word, through prayer, to, to help us, to give us the wisdom to do that. Because we'll also read what the Apostle Paul um, teaches. And he echoes Jesus' words in Romans chapter 12, verses 8 to 10. He writes, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And Jesus is a great example of that. He fulfilled it perfectly. And we can look to him. And walk in the same manner as he walked. Or we can look to Paul. We can look to Peter. And see how they also struggled. But how they did apply it to their lives. Oh, no one anything except love each other. And this love is, is comes through. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. It's kind of saying, if I see someone that's in need of food then I should say, well, if I'm in need of food, I would love someone to come to me and help me. Therefore, treat others as you want to be treated. Then why don't you go and help that person? Because that's how you want it to be treated. Do it. Or you're struggling financially and you heard or you hear of someone struggling financially. Again, 
how would you like to be treated in that situation? Oh, I would love it if someone just came and spoke to me and prayed with me and, 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 and offered some help. So then go and do it. Treat others as you want to be treated. And, and that's what it's saying. We, and we're doing it not to get anything out of it. If we help someone financially, we don't expect any interest back or anything back. If we help someone with a, a, a packet of food, we don't expect two packets of food back from them now. No, we give lovingly because we do it the glory of God and the honor of God. So we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, are we applying the golden rule according to Scripture? Are we applying verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7 according to God's standard? See, the, the golden rule is a simple rule. Do you wish others would be honest with you? Then be honest with them. Do you wish others would love you more? Well, then start loving people and stop grumbling and complaining or waiting for people to love you. You go love people and people will love you in return. Do you wish to believe the best about you? Well, then stop judging others and believe the best about you. Do you wish others would be patient with you and overlook your weaknesses? Well, then start extending mercy to others as well. This is a lovely story of this um, man who was a caretaker of a graveyard, of a, a cemetery. And there was this lady that always came and, and dropped flowers off. She professed to be a Christian, but she always looked miserable. She never smiled. She never greeted him when he greeted her. She just came and put flowers on the different graves and left. And one day she came he decided he would say something. And he just said to her, Listen here, ma'am, it's lovely you come, I respect the dead, and you come and put the flowers on the grave. But what is it doing to you as a person? Why don't you take these flowers one day, go to a hospital where people are alive, and treat them and see what it does for you. Because she was coming to the grave, she's not going to get anything out of it. She's not going to see anybody smile, anybody greet her, anybody say a kind word. And she was so absorbed in what she was doing that she was becoming dead like the people in her personality. She was dead. She was not alive in her spirit, in her whole being. And she was angry with this man. He didn't see her for the next three years. Fourth year came, she came back. And this lady stepped out the car, but she was different. He noticed that her face and her, and, her, and her mouth was radiant and smiling. And she came to him and she said to him, that advice you gave me four years ago was painful. I was offended. But eventually I took flowers to the hospitals and I treated people with love and they loved me back. I smiled with people, they smiled back. I gave people, and what did they give in return? A word of encouragement. I was not doing what I was supposed to do. And in return, these people encouraged me. They were alive. I saw smiles. 
I heard laughter. She wanted to be loved. She wanted to be smiling. She wanted to be kind with her words. And that's how it all changed. Treat others as you want to be treated. Don't wait for someone to come and love you. You go and love. Don't wait for someone to encourage you. You go and encourage. Because there's always mutual encouragement. So we must, we must, we must humble ourselves. I mean, Jesus humbled himself. We read that in, in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2. We read of, 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 of Jesus. Uh, he humbled himself. Well, it starts with verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So who do we look to for help? Well, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's why you need to be saved. You need to be in Christ Jesus so he can help you do the things that he did. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, a bond slave, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. We need to look to Jesus and see how he treated people. He loved them. He loved the unlovely. He loved the wicked to get nothing back. So we need to, we need to humble ourselves. And we need, to, we need to go before God and ask him to help us. Because we are now dead in our sins and we are alive to Christ. And we need to, we need to do the same. We have been born again. We have God's grace. We have the power of God's grace to work in us and to, to instruct us. Um, again in Titus for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people this is Titus chapter 2 verse 11 for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age again you need to be born again you need to be a Christian and you need to go to the scriptures and, and, and allow God's Grace to instruct you, to sanctify you, to minister to you, so that you can put into practice the golden rule. But there are ways that we can do it right, and there are ways that we can do it wrong. Because there are some people that are doing the golden rule in a self-righteous manner. They're doing it in a way that they can earn points. They're doing it through thinking their good works going to the needy, treating others as they would like to be treated, that they then will be accepted by God. They obey in order to be accepted by God. Their motivation is that, God, if I do this, then you need to bless me and you need to keep that door open for me when I come to heaven. So it's a, it's a works righteousness. It's a, it's a righteousness it's a religious righteousness. It's a self-righteousness that would work like this. It's Christmas. And we need to invite Auntie Hester for lunch. And we know oh, Auntie Hester 
is a is is an irritation. And but we're going to invite her as Christians so that we can just do our good Samaritan duty, that we can just show our good Samaritan compassion, and then we pray that God will keep that door open. So we've done our good duty. There's no love, there's no compassion, it's just an obligation. That's why our righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees, because their righteousness had a bad attitude inside. It was not love. It was, it was what they could get out of it. They were showy, and they forgot to, to, to sanctify and cleanse the inner man. They washed the outward, they kept themselves clean, they looked beautiful, but inwardly they were decaying. They were dead bones. And, and, and this, is, this is what a Christian righteousness, righteousness looks like. As a Christian, we invite Auntie Hester, even though she irritates us and doesn't speak kindly of us, we invite her and we, we do it because we are sanctified in Christ's love and His love has matured our love and now we're going to allow our love to flow into her because it's Christ's love that compels us to love her and we expect nothing in return from her or from God. We do it in honor and glory of God. So on the one hand, you've got the religious righteousness, good works to earn brownie points. And on the other hand, you've got the Christian righteousness. They do it not for brownie points, but for the glory and honor of God. God sees our heart, folks. You can't fool him. He sees our hearts. And he knows if our hearts are doing it for his glory and honor or for self-gratification, for self-glorification or for self-interest. That's why our fallen nature will be one that will act to help someone for self-interest. But if our fallen nature is clothed in Christ's righteousness, in God's love, then it's done out of his love. To love the people. So our second thing that we looked at, that it's possible in Christ Jesus, not done perfectly, we need God's grace, it's possible if we are in Christ Jesus. Like someone said, selfless love does not serve in order to prevent its own harm or to ensure its own welfare. It serves for the sake of the one being served and serves in the way it likes being served, whether it receives such service or not. That's why we can do that when we are in Christ. It's possible in Christ. So these two truths, these two great truths that we looked over last Sunday and, and today from Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 to help us to understand, to have better relationships with one another. The first one, it's impossible left to ourselves. It is impossible. Because we do it for ourselves, But it is possible with God, with Christ. Because now we do it for Him. Will we, will we understand this rule better? Will we apply this rule? Will we look to the cross and embrace this truth? That there on the cross, Jesus died to forgive our sins. To bring us to our Father. For Him to pour out His love into our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit, to live in us, to knock off our, our, our self-love and have His love at the center of our lives so that we can 
fulfill the greatest commandment is to love one another as Christ has loved us. Will we do that? And we need to do that so that we can allow our light to shine into the lives of people. That they may see our good works, working through the golden rule and giving glory to our Father who is in heaven. Will we take verse 12 of Matthew chapter 7 and apply it God's way and not man's way? And it is possible because we are alive in Christ and we can do all things through him who strengthens us through prayer and his word. Will we? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful passage. It's simple, but yet complicated, because we complicated, we have egos, we have pride, and we kind of always looking and scheming to get something out for us. And forgive us, Father. Forgive us as Christians. Help us to to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow Christ, Christ according to the Scriptures. So help us, Father, to take this verse or whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Help us to do this clothed in your love, Father, so that Christ's love compels us to do it in a way that brings you glory and honor, Father. Give us wisdom, Father, to cultivate the love in our hearts. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We need to cultivate love and gentleness and kindness and self-control and patience and faithfulness. We need to so, um, cultivate this, Father, so that we can apply the golden rule in a way that brings you honor. Forgive us, Father, when we don't. Forgive us, Father, when we sin. Be merciful to us. But help us now, Father. Help us to take this rule and see who we can apply it into someone's life this week. Father, have mercy upon us, please. Thank you that your scripture humbles us and reminds us that we are here to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel's calling. And that is to bear fruit in every good work. So help us, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to close with a passage of scripture to remind us from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know where I'm going. I'm going to read from verse 4. And then I'm going to jump over to another verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So may the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. And we all say, Amen.